1: absolutely phenomenal. Uh, So, I mean, this is the kind of thing that you want to turn
0: to Get Your Guide for. Whatever you're into, you'll find an experience you love. Discover and book your next unforgettable travel experience at GetYourGuide.com. Across America, BP supports more than
2: 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com/ investing in America
0: today's episode is brought to you by Alienware during Dell Tech fest score game-changing innovations with limited time deals on select next-gen alienware gaming tech.
2: AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro 2nd generation when enabled. Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind from HowStuffWorks.com.
1: Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. My name is Robert Lamb.
3: And I'm Julie Douglas.
1: And this is part two of our two-parter on 3D printing. 3D printers of the gods. Uh, the idea here, and the, the, the the snazzy title, of course, refers to the idea that 3D printers essentially allow almost any idea that's out there to take physical form, which in a way is kind of, kind of godlike. And it, and it forces us to really rethink what the future's gonna be like, what our relationship with objects is going to be, and really also makes us sort of think about what our relationship with objects is now we talked in the last podcast about some of the current things that are going on such as Devavantes wearing a dress that it was 3d printed uh, people trying to 3d print the perfect plastic gun like an actual gun that kills people
3: Octogenarians printing out novelty adult toys exactly adult novelty to us.
1: Exactly. <laughs> and uh and today we are going to we we talked a little bit about the future in the last one, mm-hmm. but this time we're go- we're going to go uh, a little more detailed on that. We're going to talk about some of the the near future revolutions in 3D printing that are really going to change the world.
3: It's true because um, although 3D printers aren't quite the transporter devices we hoped for at this point, uh, the fact of the matter is that they are rearranging matter and they are sort of defying space and time when it comes to objects and to consumerism and and to making what you want when you want it.
1: So some of the things that, that are going to be happening very soon with 3D printing um, that are going to change everything. First of all, we're looking at 3D printing reaching the industrial strength level mm-hmm. now 3d printing as we've mentioned before has been a part of industry for about 20 years now and it's been useful in um, create rapidly producing uh, prototypes in some cases but uh, we're talking about uh, a situation where 3d printing will be able to produce objects of, of high quality uh, industrial grade that can be th- that can be a part of automobiles, et cetera. Now, some automobiles already have some 3D printing parts, but we're talking about an age when pretty much all parts are going to be produced by 3D printing as opposed to traditional subtractive methods such as printing the pieces um, out of a sheet of metal or using a mold to pour, pouring a mold to create the device.
3: Yeah, because I mean at the end of the day when you're you're talking about the future of 3D printing you're talking about materials that are lighter that can be made faster Mm -hmm. and can be customized so it's a perfect fit for manufacturing Um, so you know you're going to see more of these printers in factories just printing out parts Uh, you also see them in the nano manufacturing uh, industry which we'll talk more about and then you'll you're going to see it just in actual like hey we're going to build something we're going to build a building and so imagine large blocks of like custom building materials being printed out on a job site
1: yeah and and to go back to prototyping real quick you're just going to see that that speeded up even more the the ability to quickly produce a working prototype for for a new product it's just going to be it's going to be exponentially improved
3: yeah, in fact, uh, the D-shaped printer, which was created by Enrico Dini, is capable now of printing a two-story building complete with rooms, stairs, pipes, and partitions. And it uses nothing but sand and inorganic binding compound. And then the resulting material has the same durability as reinforced concrete with, this is super cool, the look of marble. Wow. Um, of course, now uh, you can only use this on rounded structures, but the process itself takes approximately about a fourth of the time as traditional buildings, and it doesn't really require any specialized knowledge or skill set.
1: Yeah, because a lot of, the, we, you know, we get into the idea of printing nanomaterials, and we've talked before about, like, so, when we're, whether we're talking about space elevators or super tall buildings, uh, we always come back around to the use of nanomaterials, because when you're building things from the smallest level up, which... To a certain extent, it's 3D printing in itself. It's the idea that I'm starting small and building everything up from the bottom. Mm-hmm. But if you start really small, if you're building things up from the, from the smallest structures possible, then you're able to create super strong materials uh, capable of tethering a space elevator in place or creating uh, the, the sort of skyscrapers that right now we can only dream of.
3: Yeah, it doesn't change physics, but it changes the way that materials uh, act in, in the realm of physics. Right. Uh, which is really cool because that is really liberating as, as someone who is a designer and someone who is trying to do something like say a spacecraft.
1: Yeah, I mean it's the difference between me sewing two things together or me sewing up a hole in my hoodie or something, as opposed to an, to a, a, an actual seamstress or an or a, or a sewing machine doing it. Um, in you know in, in the difference between a, a big visible. Um, stitch and an invisible stitch. I mean, it's just the the finer level of detail, the finer grade of, of craftsmanship that you get when you when you build things up from that very small level.
3: And when you're speaking about building up things from a very small level, of course you have to start thinking about uh, the medical ramifications of yes, this because because
1: we are built up from a very small level.
3: Exactly, exactly. Um, and we have experiments in printing soft tissue that are underway now. Um, but the idea is that if, if you can master that, you may begin to print veins and arteries yes. to you, to be used in operations. And then, um, you know, taken to the extreme, you can then print organs. And oh, this, you're,
1: and you're not even taken to the extreme. The extreme is, of course, whole printing body. whole bodies. Yeah.
3: I mean, which not only would, would vanquish the whole organ, uh, donor problem that we have, mm-hmm. right? But I mean, you, right, you just, hey, here's another me. Yeah. I'm just gonna keep it in the in, in storage until I need to replace myself.
1: And this is a great example of three D printer of the gods here, because we're essentially <laughs> talking about a three D printer creating objects, creating a person as nature creates a person. You know, the, the idea that it's it's just it's created from the smallest piece, it's it's grown.
3: Yeah, there is an element of biomimicry about this. We'll mm-hmm. talk about this more when we talk about four D printing. But um, it is interesting that we're getting sort of back to the basics when we're talking about three D printing, because it really is sort of saying, let's take take nature's way of building up, mm-hmm. and see if we can recreate this process in a machine. Um, consumerism.
1: Yes, this is going to be huge. Yeah.
3: I I mean, this is what I think is going to be one of the most interesting aspects about 3D printing, because I think it will greatly change our behavior. And you and I talked about this in the last podcast, the last episode, is that, you know, one day you could go to Amazon and you could click on a box there that says, I want to customize this, because Amazon has now decided to use this technology with their companies um, and their manufacturers. Mm -hmm. And it's just going to be something pretty rote, like, hey, I need to get this new sink but I really would love to have... I don't know, some sort of crazy design of Vampire State Building. Yeah. Uh, you know, in it. Or, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like well, example, yeah, but- I
1: mean, we already have some of those options, for instance, with some of our, our digital and some non digital media, media. You want a book? Okay. Do you want it in hardback? Do you want it in softback? Do you want it in paperback? Or do you want it uh, digital? You right. Know? Uh, and how do you want that album? Do you want it? Do you want it in vinyl? You want it uh, on CD? You want it on a retro cassette, which is coming back in some cases? Do you Or, or do you want it digitally? Alright, well we have five options for that. You want it in flack? You want it in MP3? You want it in, and you know, it just goes on and on. So you'll see yeah. that kind of stuff when you buy things. Alright, what size do you want it in? What color do you want it? Uh, uh, also, upload the dimensions of your hand. To upload your actual physical dimensions, and, and we'll make sure that it fits you to a T. Yeah,
3: so try to imagine that. So let's say that you want a specific design that you can get to pick from all these stock files yeah. of, of this specific design or, you know, stock art. And then, yeah, you can upload. If it ha- if it, the object relates to your body, then you upload your own dimensions and yeah. then Amazon surely will, uh, deliver that to you within the hour because now, even now, they're trying to do same day delivery. So, yeah. We have, since we're extrapolating the future, we have to think about this, you and, know, and five years out.
1: Yeah. And you're going to see that it's going to be like with any technological innovation. There are going to be companies that adapt and shift and survive. And then there are going to be ones that fall to the wayside. And there are going to be new entrepreneurs that, that pop up that are like, Hey, this is how people are going to be consuming. What can we do to game it? There are going to be products that come out that are, specifically aimed at 3D printing.
3: Well, see, I'm glad that you brought that up because it really does change the landscape of companies and their ability to produce. So, mm-hmm. you know, I wonder, does Amazon then begin to produce items instead of just distribute? Because essentially they can take over. If you mm-hmm. can print anything, then why even have manufacturers that you distribute? Why Why just, um, Why just? not just be the, the point person yeah. in then, that process? And then,
1: to what extent do these companies become the means of creating, you know? I mean, because like we mentioned before, I mean, everybody everybody wants to, to be an artist. Everyone wants to be a writer. Everyone wants to be a musician to, to varying degrees. The, the Internet is a great example of of all sorts of different people producing something and wanting to share it with the world mm-hmm. and then take that and translate it to the world of objects. So do, do these companies end up becoming more and more involved in user-generated content, like the Wikipedia of objects?
3: Right, and, you know, our, our uh, storefronts, replaced by just a storefront
1: yeah do you go to the mall and it's just one uh, 3d printing kiosk well probably multiple kiosks where you go in and you you print out the things you want I mean maybe you have a situation where the stores are still there so that you can you can shop people like to look at things before mm-hmm. they buy them but then when you decide you print it out you go to the kiosk you print it out and you can print out uh, you know your, your new shoes your new dress the toy for the kid uh, and maybe even uh, your hamburger.
3: I was about to say, you could also, if you're a little bit, you know, you feel like you need a nosh, then, hey, you can, this is uh, an ability that Cornell University's Fab Home, Fab At Home Project can actually do right now. They use gel-like substances that can be combined with other materials, including artificial flavor, yum, uh, to mimic the taste and mouthfeel of many different foods.
1: Yeah, this was really interesting because they also talked a little bit about the the uncanny valley of foods with this <laughs> yeah. because... Because the gel-like substance called uh, hydrocolides is um, is apparently a little uh, unsettling. Like it's filled with artificial flavoring, and you can print it, say, in the shape of a turkey leg, sure. But if it doesn't <laughs> taste like a turkey leg, it's going to be a little weird. So they they've really kind of decided that they need to work on the taste first, and then worry about printing it out into the for- into the actual shapes. Yeah, uh, which which makes sense. And maybe to a certain extent, it's. I mean, it makes me think of candy, right? And specifically banana flavored candy. You ever had banana flavored candy? No, I don't. It doesn't taste like bananas. Okay. And to a certain extent, orange candy doesn't taste like oranges. But you you get into that area: how close can the taste be to the thing and still get away with it? And to what extent does it become a new thing? Because, like, when when you're eating orange candy, it's nothing like an actual orange in flavor or in texture. But
3: I know I was just thinking back to the 20s, and we talked about um, when we did the food episode, and we were talking about the candy that became a stand-in for a meal. Because remember, um, people didn't have much money and uh, they had those turkey meals. Mm -hmm. And it was, I don't know if it actually was supposed to taste like a roast turkey or roast Um, chicken. No, I think it was just
1: the, I think they had chocolate in it. Yeah, I think it was the idea. The idea was hey, you you need a meal? Here's a meal. Peel it back and, and eat it.
3: So we have evidence that we've done this before, and, and certainly, if you don't have the resources, then maybe you can accept that. And after all, it's a shot of glucose, anyways. Look at some of the it. stuff
1: people eat already. Like a chicken nugget is nothing like anything real. It's you know, it's it's you know, you look at stuff with pink slime. I mean, we're already manufacturing unreal food out of strange things. So and yeah. people and people love it. So um,
3: pink slime is found in hamburger meat, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. So yeah. I, I I have no doubt that 3D printing could easily create something that people would love, if not tolerate. Okay. And specifically so- when you're talking about, like, say, long-term space missions. Yeah. I mean, these are environments where, yes, you want people in space to want to eat, because sometimes there's less of an appetite there. But but ultimately, you know, eh, survival food, right?
3: Well, and so that just made me think about the parallels between the Uncanny Valley and uh, similar outcomes for food, right? Because Mm -hmm. there are some people who will say the Uncanny Valley isn't as uncanny or creepy as we think. You know, we see a robot that's supposed to look like a human or act like a human or move like a human, and they don't because they are not, and it unsettles us. But we get used to things, right? Yeah, I mean,
1: new food is Uncanny Valley when you first have it. true. you know, have Thai food for the first time and you'll be like, this is a little uncanny, but, you know, you'll love it in a week. So guarantee you guaranteed. All right. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, uh, we're going to talk even more about the future of 3D printing. And we're going to talk about 4D printing.
2: Wowza. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, archaea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.
4: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 2024 Santa Fe, available early 2024.
0: Today's episode is brought to you by Alienware. During Dell TechFest, score game-changing innovations with limited-time deals on select next-gen Alienware gaming tech. New dimensions await with advanced gaming systems like the Alienware M18 laptop powered by an Intel Core i9 processor featuring awe-inspiring visuals, liquid cooling, three-dimensional audio with Dolby Atmos, and impressive overclocking potential
1: All right, we're back, and we're going to talk here about 4D printing. And just to be clear, the term 4D printing is a—it's a little bit of uh, science headline bait. You it's know? misleading. Yeah, it's—it's—it looks great in a headline, but it—when you really get down to the meat of it, eh, it's not—you're not really printing in space and time. No more than you're always printing in space and time.
3: It's kind of like 3D printing on steroids. Um, and what we're talking about when we're talking about 4D printing is passive self-assembly systems.
1: Yeah, which is still pretty awesome. Don't let me underplay it.
3: Mm-mm. It's very cool. Uh, self-assembly MIT researcher Skylar Tibbets is, is sort of the face of this right now in terms of self-assembly. And uh, when I talk about it being on steroids, we're talking about it uh, allowing, 3D printers allowing to print parts to self-assemble and reassemble into a number of products. So each part would be comprised of a regular rigid plastic layer along with an outer layer made of smart materials, not dumb ones. And then when they're submerged in water, the smart materials absorb and they expand and they cause the parts to move and form a pre-specified object.
1: It's like if you're wearing tight jeans, (laughs) <laughs> and then you and then you get rained on really heavily, or you fall in a swimming pool uh-huh. and then they start to shrink up, and then you your your form changes and you 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 go into uh into like stiff legged mode because you can't move your legs anymore
3: mm-hmm.
1: It's kind of like that the outer layer is the jean the blue jeans, and then the inner layer yeah, is you.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, I think what's really interesting, and this is uh, from a TED Talk that you sent me, that Tibbet is, is is talking about the future of this and why it makes so sense, so much sense. He's saying that currently we build skyscrapers with about five hundred thousand to one million parts, mm-hmm. which all told takes about two years. Yeah,
1: and that's not even counting the uh, the dead gangsters in the concrete.
3: Exactly, yeah. or the vampires. Yes. Um, and then he says, though, that we should look toward natural systems to get a better idea of how to use 4D or self-assembly. He says that we have proteins that have 2 million types. They can fold in 10,000 nanoseconds. And he says we also have DNA with 3 billion base pairs we can replicate in roughly an hour. So he said that out of all this complexity uh, complexity in our natural systems, um, there's still this idea that they're really efficient at what they do, far more efficient than anything that we can build and far more complex than anything that we can build. And so he says we should look toward this model because it's it's really good um, in making something out of as little energy as possible.
1: Yeah, I mean, and right now we're talking about, again, little like a, a 3D-printed stick that when water is added, it becomes a cube. But he's talking long-term the idea of the self-assembly of large-scale structures, uh, which is which is pretty phenomenal. I, I like how in the talk, he gets a little philosophic, too, and talks about your, ultimately objects that have desire. Not only do we desire them, but they have they have a desire in the sense that there is something that they will be. I mean, it gets a little they weird. They want to be something? Yeah, when you get into want, I mean, it's kind of like when you're talking about memory, like, say, a spring yeah. having memory. A spring, it doesn't have memory in the sense that we s- speak of it, but it does have uh, engineering uh, and, and a physics level of, of memory, and this would be at that same level of desire. So you could also argue that, say, my earbuds always have a desire to break after one year.
3: Well, this, uh, this kind of goes back to Susan Blackmore when she talks about Dawkins. She talks about memes and how humans are just meme machines, right? Mm-hmm. We're, we're meant to communicate certain messages and... Uh, over and over again and just spread the memes. But then she says technology is really the thing that we're spreading. Uh, so that's why she calls them Teams. Um, and so I think about this in that instance. Like w- We are creating um, the technology to ultimately reproduce itself. Yeah, which brings us,
1: brings us back into the world of nanotechnology. Well,
3: right, I was going to say, really at a very small scale, which is now um, possible in nano 3D printing. Right. Because I mean, we're talking about really fine resolutions that enable the creation of intricately structured sculptures, as tiny, 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 tiny as a grain of sand. Mm-hmm. There's actually a great video. We'll, we'll try to remember to post this, but it shows that in 50 seconds, this aircraft is created through a nano uh, 3D printer. And if you look at it through, obviously, this like magnified, and you can see the details. Mm-hmm. And it is perfectly scale. It's it's a beautiful rendering, and it is an object, and it is as big as a tiny grain of salt.
1: Yeah, I mean, it it comes back again to what I've been talking about with the idea of building things with the smallest parts possible. Mm-hmm. The more, the, the smaller the the building blocks, the more power you have over the structure, uh, over the ultimate finished product. It's like with Legos. Think back to the Legos you had when you were really young, where they were kind of big and bought. And, and boxy because they would be harder to fit in your mouth, mm-hmm. and then the smaller Legos you eventually grew into. Which one would which blocks allow you to create the more detailed model? The smaller blocks, of course. It,
3: of course, and then when you think about something that we mentioned before, the gaming controllers, in which mm-hmm. there's the ability to throw down to uh, lay down electronics yeah. on those objects that are 3D printed, and you look at nano printing, and you know it's just a, a matter of time where you can get the same sort of electronics into the object. Then you start to think more about what does the future look like long-term, 50 years from now. Um, it's not just about creating uh, nanoprinted scaffolding to grow tissue on or to use in other nano nanomanufacturing parts. There is a real ability to, say, create a robot that is at the nanoscale. Right. And what happens then?
1: Well then, we have the idea that we have machines that can repair themselves. We have, uh, we have st- structures that can repair themselves, uh, buildings that can heal, bridges that can build themselves, little tiny robots that can, uh, peek into your private life we were talking about this the other day when we were shooting a video
3: yeah we were saying that um i mean how do you combat that we well, you have your own little army yeah of nanorobots your own to immune combat. system
1: really of nanobots to protect your privacy and your interests yeah and we all kind of live we're just all crawling with them like fleas that we just and maybe they're also programmed to cut our hair and to groom ourselves which is
2: nice yeah that's lovely bp added more than 70 billion dollars to the u.s economy last year by making investments from coast to coast Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California. And starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.
4: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 2024 Santa Fe, available early 2024.
0: Today's episode is brought to you by Alienware. During Dell TechFest, score game-changing innovations with limited-time deals on select next-gen Alienware gaming tech. New dimensions await with advanced gaming systems like the Alienware M18 laptop powered by an Intel Core i9 processor featuring awe-inspiring visuals, liquid cooling, three-dimensional audio with Dolby Atmos, and impressive overclocking potential
3: Um, other considerations, uh, we talked about this when we talked about the Anthropocene. This is the idea that we are now in the age of man mm-hmm. and that human activity has left a stratigraphic signal in the soil.
1: And scars in the earth and mm-hmm. the chemical signatures, etc.
3: Yeah, and, and we find this in ice cores, right? Uh, there's data retrieved from glacial ice cores that show the beginning of a growth in atmospheric concentrations of several greenhouse gr- uh, gases, in particular CO2 and CH4. And the starting date actual actually con- coincides with James Watt's invention of the steam engine in 1784. So mm-hmm. you begin to see this layer of sediment. So the question is, you know, if a human or some other intelligent being were to look at the soil a thousand years from now, and um, would they? Look at the soil and say, "Ah, this is this is the year that they really began to use a 3D printer because now we have this huge polymer sediment."
1: Yeah, this is the age in which they took all available mass and used it to print a whole bunch of nonsense. So you just have to d- and just drown themselves. And again, I come back to the idea of the internet vomiting into the physical world as, as, as 3D printing as this gateway way by which the internet and all of its nonsense. And all of its beauty and all of its horror mm-hmm. can actually take physical form.
3: Well, and don't you kind of think about this as another prong in the internet of things? We talk about yeah. the internet of things being that, uh, that data is alive around us at all times. In other words, you know, you could have a refrigerator that could tell you if you needed eggs or your eggs were expired. And, you know, this is just an, uh, another idea of how objects play into this.
1: I like to think of it in terms, too, of our work pr- printer. Like, think of all the things that you find printed out that people have forgotten about. You find, mm-hmm. like, say, um, you know, detailed tax information, legal information, mm-hmm. personal information, private correspondences, Resumes. Uh, recipes, <laughs> work. Ma- uh, once I found somebody had written, and it, and it wasn't me, uh, somebody else in the office had written, uh, like, a large portion of, like, a sci fi novel or something. It was just sitting there in the on the on the printer if we had 3d printers what kind of stuff would you find there just sitting sitting there on the desk or, or clogged up in the printer would you find like
3: and by the know? way we're not giving anything away when we say that someone wrote a, a, a chunk of sci-fi novel here because no. there are, there's a good many people here yeah who I, could have done that.
1: I, I can't even narrow down who it might have been at the time but um
3: but now, yeah the uh, manifesto on popcorn there's only one person <laughs>
1: But, but just think, you know, you'd go to the printer and then there's uh, somebody has printed out, uh, you know, a, a size perfect dress for themselves that they were going to wear that night and left early and forgot to pick up. Someone printed out uh, uh, some sort of rather personal um, adult device that, uh, you know, they, they could be fired for. Someone else printed out uh, just a, a toy that they thought was interesting. Oh, they needed another action figure to go on their desk. So they printed out eight of them by accident, by accidentally hitting the button eight times. I mean, you can just go on and on.
3: I know. I'm just trying to figure out if this is glorious or awful.
1: I know. That's or a the, little of both. That's the question we always ask with technology. Yeah. And, and probably, yeah, a little column A, a little column B. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. A little more stuff to blow your mind there with uh, with 3D printing and 4D printing. And uh, we would love to hear from everyone. What are your thoughts on, on the future of 3D and 4D printing? How do you think it's going to change our lives? How would it change your life? How do you think it's going to change manufacturing? How do you think it's going to change business? How do you think it's going to weigh the, the change of the way we interact with objects? And to what extent are personalized, like handcrafted objects? I mean, I, I can't imagine it would go away. There's still going to be a value for things that are created in the old ways, things that things are concrete that are created by hand. You know, it'll be the same way that people are really into craft beers. People will still be into the idea of, of, say, a miniature that was created with a mold rather than a 3D printer.
3: But at the same time, will intellectually intellectual property, will that become an, a really archaic term?
1: Yeah, the legal ramifications are, are crazy in and of themselves. So hey, let us know what you think. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Tumblr. Uh, we are stuff to blow your mind on both of those, and also check us out on Twitter, uh, where our handle is is below the mind. And we there's different content on all three of those. So so don't think that they're all just replications of the same material.
3: And you can always drop us a line at blowthemind at discovery dot com.